There we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Harrison, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville with... And I'm Mike, Lead Pastor, Lake Forest Church, Huntersville. Founder of the Lake Forest Family of Churches. We are a family of churches. Um, It's been fun to see uh, Lake Forest Church Westlake over in Denver. I don't even know if I've shared this. Uh, they reached over a thousand people this year at, at Easter, so they they continue to elevate <coughs> and serving their community over in Denver, North Carolina. El Buen Samaritano with Pastor Victor and Rosemi. Do you know what? They are such a, a, a pastor couple that guess which one of them preached on Easter? It was not Victor. That's right. Rosemi. That's right. Is a boss uh, teacher of God's word um, and. Uh, uh, Pastor Terrell at Lake Forest U City, uh, meeting in the Keith Family YMCA down in the UC. Um, they've just got some exciting news about some new plans uh, th- that will refresh them. They're only a few months old as a church. They have some uh, new movements happening for the fall that they released to their uh they had a Zoom last night with everyone who's part of their church. So they have some new plans that uh, that's fun. I'll let them share at some point. Nice. Um, and Lake Forest Davidson, which is now AKA Story Hill Church, has gotten approval to break ground on their building on the land that they purchased uh, a year ago on South Street, South Main in Davidson. We love them, celebrate them, uh, Pastor Michael Flake. In fact, Michael and Mandy and Angie and I have an upcoming date at a Chick-fil-A uh, Ooh, for yeah. a Saturday lunch just to catch up. So, uh, And we are prayerfully uh, considering the next uh, church in the Lake Forest family of churches, and, and, and we're, we're of two minds. We might go east, we might go west. Uh, we're, we're seeing where God leads. So, from what I wow. heard— from what I heard, So once again, my yeah. name is Mike Moses, and from that's what, what I care about. I, I think— <laughs> Just as an idea, I think wherever we decide to go next should be uh, decided by the church, but American Idol voting style. Like you got to text, you got to text in. We'll have we'll have someone up there, mm-hmm. and you have to be in person that Sunday to text in. You, yeah. you have to be there. Yeah, and um, then and then all the staff gets to do uh, um, a, sp- a special song too in the American Idol style. Oh, so okay. your moment, you're gonna win. No, I'm not participating. Like I would have no chance. No, I'm Ryan Seacrest. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> no, you're good. No, so hey. you're you're finally your moment. Your moment is. I, I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. And how about if we make the other judge? We have you as a judge, and then Simon Cowell or who, whichever show that is. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Um, let's ha- our guest for the podcast today. We'll let him be your judge for that as well. Okay. Andrew Ruth is here, our new pastor of Missio Day for Lake Forest Huntersville. What's up, Lake Forest? It's uh, Andrew Ruth. I'm so pumped to be with you guys just in person, finally. Um, This is a dream come true for me. I started attending Lake Forest as a freshman at Davidson in 2003. Oh, my goodness. Back when we met in the YMCA, uh, before Lake Forest Davidson recolonized the Y. Uh, That's right. And and so we Lake Forest changed my life, a chance to go to church uh, that was committed to doing whatever it takes to to reach one more person who's given up on church but hadn't given up on God. Whether that was uh, setting up chairs and tearing them down or, or finding another space or uh, being really creative with our worship art stuff. I was just blown away uh, by Lake Forest back then and then between Lake Forest and Young Life just caught a vision for ministry in my life. What God might do through me if I let him. 
Well, and that's the subject of our podcast today. Let's get to know Andrew, our our newest pastor. Um, <clears throat> he's ordained in another Presbyterian denomination, and we'll, we'll transition that over to ours. Um, but we just thought it'd, it'd be good for you, our podcast listeners. <clears throat> thanks for tuning in, by the way, and thanks for every now and then making suggestions. We value <clears throat> your suggestions of things that would be helpful to be addressed uh, here on the Ask LFC podcast because you're kind of the like the the you're you're the leaders of the troops generally our podcast listeners so we appreciate you and want to be responsive to you <clears throat> Andrew my goodness here's what I remember of you as a college student when we I'd be up on that little little set up stage in the basketball gym of the Lake Norman YMCA preaching my little young younger self heart out uh, but before going to preach, during the worship, I remember there was this tall, there was all the Davidson students sat in, in like one place. And there was a lot of them. That was fun. Um, I miss that. Um, uh, and you would be in the front row. Every, tell me if I'm only remembering one Sunday or if this really was every Sunday. You'd pretty much be in the front row and with your tall, uh, shaggy-haired self, <laughs> with your, like, with your hands to the air to Jesus the whole time during <laughs> the music. And, and uh, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm not a real good at doing anything halfway. And so when <laughs> I first started to, to experience what it was like to worship God wholeheartedly through music, it was revolutionary for me. And God was doing a lot on me at Davidson College through Thursday night worship and through, th- through Sunday mornings at yeah. Lake Forest. Uh, being able to sing songs that spoke to my heart, but also uh, sing them at a volume that spoke to me. As a young guy, just you couldn't be loud enough. And so um, to give myself wholeheartedly to that, and I think Harrison got a, a taste of that a little bit on Sunday. I, I couldn't tell if he and Susan were making fun of me. Uh, for uh, my uh, Claire and I, my wife, uh, also worships, tend to just be pretty emotive people. And so uh, that's why we sit on the front row, is because I'm sure that uh, I would be distracted by me if I was in the back of the church, and so I want to make sure there's nobody in front of me, so I have no distractions. It's just me, and uh, I don't have to worry. Me and me and Jesus, uh, and so I just sit at the front, so I'm not paying attention to how anybody else is worshiping, and I'm not really seeing their responses to me worship. I can just go after the Lord. So yeah, no, there's no making fun of there, man. It's like uh, just a little. Mike and I talk all the time on the podcast about how this is can be a little glimpse behind the curtain of for for Mike and I as folks in full-time ministry and, and some of the behind the curtain of how our brains think about some of this stuff. So I will say for myself, and I know Mike agrees, that there are <clears throat> there are some folks out there every Sunday that you're when you're on the stage, your eyes just kind of drawn to them because you can look at them and be like, okay, someone likes this. Yeah. This is going, <clears throat> this is connecting with somebody and it's making sense to somebody. So it's always awesome having people out there that you just know are ready uh, to worship with you. Like they're coming in as, as ready as we on the stage are ready. And that's always a good yes, feeling. And Harrison, for you and I, we, we know that everybody has their own things going on in their life and their mind and their heart when they're in worship. And they may be distracted because something huge is happening in their life, or they may just not be dialed in and someone made them come. Uh, promised them lunch or something, or their mama said, hey, you're going to church. Um, But if I only look at the stone-faced people, I will lose heart even in the middle of a sermon, Mm. and I'll bail out. 
Uh, and so I, the, the responsive, open-faced, teachable faces especially, like when I'm teaching, matters to me. And so, Andrew, you're now a, re- a replacement for uh, Mary Robin Gibson. When Aaron and Mary <laughs> Robin right. came here, Aaron is our church planning pastor and now the lead pastor of Lake Forest Church over in Denver. And uh, when they came from Los Angeles, uh, they would be in the front row, and Mary Robin would be our most on-fire, demonstrative worshiper and talking back to me in a sermon, like actually laugh at my jokes, mm-hmm. etc. And I miss the heck out of her. So, Mary Robin, I miss you. Um, but, uh, Andrew, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are so glad to be here and to be back— uh, or just to be in a place where we get to be expressive in worship. That was something that we've seen around the world. Uh, started to see at Lake Forest, but then God's taken us uh, through Africa and Asia, and we've seen people worship in so many different ways that, that that liberated us just to worship in the ways that come natural to us and then to join other people uh, in their ways of worshiping uh, has, has really opened us to the, the full expression of what worship can look like, both in a service but also in a lifestyle and just in uh, Monday to Saturday. And so we are so glad to be here and to laugh at jokes. And I thoroughly get what you're saying, Mike, as a preacher. I've been preaching for the last eight years at a church outside of Raleigh. You need those, you need your amen corner. You need those people who are demonstratively tracking with you because we can go further together. And that's not just yeah, true. Right. There's that old adage, right? If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I found that to be true in the spiritual realm as well, that when when I worship by myself, something magical happens. But when, when two of us worship, it feels like we get further into the Holy of Holies. Or if you're a C.S. Lewis fan, uh, at the end of the last battle, there's this great line, further up and further in, further up and further yeah. in. <laughs> and uh, and when, when I add my yes to, to Harrison's worship or to Aaron's worship, from, from the, then to collectively we as a church get somehow deeper into the holy, into the sacred, uh, than I can by myself. And so... I love getting to worship with uh, the people of God in person and, and online, but uh, there's something when we add our, our spiritual amen, our yes, um, it, it just does something magical. I think one thing I've seen also, Andrew, at, you, you talked a little bit about some of the places that you've been able to. One, one of the things I love about the way, by the way, as a side note of hearing you talk about how you approach living on the Missio Day, especially as it relates to what our role is here as some folks living around Charlotte, North Carolina, and what are we supposed to do for the church in the world? And I, I love how you talk about uh, going on these trips. Like it feels like always the first word that you're you're using is learn, which I think is so cool. Rather than we're coming and do all this. So one of the things that uh, I've I've seen uh, in some of my time as I've worshipped with some of the church around the world that I see. Uh, in your posture and attitude that's so cool and encouraging to me is I've seen folks that uh, have very little that worship God from a place of just true, like that kind of relationship of like, I'm I'm literally counting on God for the meals that are going to come across my table the next three or four days. And I'm worshiping him from that kind of level of connectiveness to saying, God, I just need you. That's just what it is. So I'm going to worship you with everything I have. That's, that's one of the things that I've learned that I've seen. I just, I just think it's cool how you approach that. Yeah. And that changes the way you worship my, 
my limited experience or whatever would be that that old adage you see what you're looking for <laughs> so what, whatever you're looking for and when we traveled my wife and I Claire um, had the incredible privilege for almost two years to travel and live in kind of the global south uh, we were pri- primarily in East Africa and in kind of Central Asia in India and Nepal <laughs> But we just personally were living out of backpacks, and we depended on the hospitality of the church. We depended on God to show up. And when you need God, it's amazing how much God shows up. And I'm sure God's showing up all the time, but when I don't need God to show up in order for the day to work, in order for life to happen, in order for us to find a place to sleep or to have a translator or whatever, when I'm not desperate for that, it's not as obvious to me, and I just miss God's presence in my life, God's generosity to me, and then the provision God's making for me uh, through the people around me. And you're right that that part of part of worship is this prophetic act that I believe God is going to show up even when I haven't seen what God's doing yet. But mm-hmm. part of it is also an act of reflection for of gratitude for what God's done in the past. So I'm I'm holding on to what God did in the past, and that gives me faith to to lean in. To what God will do in the future. I like Aaron saying over us uh, that I know that over the years I will see, I will look back on this and see your hand on it. And uh, I can say that because I can do that for the last 37 years of my life. Hmm. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your life, Andrew, just for people to get to know you. So you, you graduated from Davidson College. <clears throat> you, you experienced, like I did, a call into ministry, like Harrison did as well. Like this is this is who God's made me to be, what he's called me to do. You went into youth ministry through Young Life, just like I did. You the same path. <clears throat> you and I stayed in touch, and you were very kind to keep your life open to me at various points just for counsel. Mm-hmm. And and in part, talking with me at the end of those first few years in ministry, uh, you decided to go into business for a period of time just to, be sure, to test. <laughs> Am I really called to full-time ministry or not? Uh, and I think you said at the end of that year, it was your Jewish boss who said, Andrew, you need to be in ministry, <laughs> talking to people about Jesus. What are you doing here? So you went to seminary at Duke Divinity. And I'd like to, let's just hone back in on this. First of all, um, yeah, was that crystal clear for you? Oh, wait, yes, I am called to full-time ministry. Or did it take a long time or was it a thunderbolt moment? Yeah, as I look back on my life now, there were there were thunderbolt moments that I didn't recognize as thunderbolt moments because I didn't live in kind of a thunderbolt moment culture. It wasn't we didn't we we were much more of a progressive culture of um, I've always been a Christian kind of moment. But I look back now and yeah, say sort that of process kind of process oriented yeah. and kind of um, when I was fourteen, I really felt like I had a mystical experience where I met the Lord on a mountain at a youth retreat and and. And felt the invitation to follow Jesus relationally for the first time. Um, and so from then on, there was just this passion for following Jesus. And I was making it up, and I was a slave to people's approval and, and the approval of the women around me and, 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 and had a lot of sanctification that God's still continuing in my life. But I got serious from about 14 on that I wanted to try my best to follow Jesus. And at Davidson, I just continued that out. That's how I got to Lake Forest was running with a group of people who wanted to figure out what does it look like to follow Jesus in college. 
Uh, we just refuse to believe the lie that college uh, was a time where your faith dies. I think about Michael Flake always saying that uh, during this season of college, your your faith will either start, soar, or shipwreck, but it will not stay the same. And for us, we mm. just said we're going to be in the soar category. We're just going to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. Um, and that led me to lead Young Life in college, which I never heard of, and it was really the first time I got uh, introduced into ministry, and it changed my life. Meeting Jesus is one of the most exciting things in uh, any human being's life, but seeing somebody else meet Jesus through your conversations, your words, your Bible study together is just a high like nothing I'd ever seen before. So by the time I graduated Davidson College with a degree in applied mathematics um, and business consulting stuff, math, business, those were like a hobby. They were problems to be solved. It was like Sudoku puzzles. It was fun, but it wasn't. Nobody gets out of bed in the morning to do Sudoku puzzles. What fired me up? What was the the gasoline in my engine? I was seeing other folk explore Jesus and discover their part in God's story. And so I knew that no matter what I did professionally, that was the that was the gasoline in the engine. And so I went into the vocational ministry, and you really challenged me beautifully to to go into business because uh, the way I remember our conversation is you saying the world doesn't need any more pastors. Like the world desperately needs men and women who can live on God's mission while they work out their profession um, vocationally, where they they understand that selling cars uh, for me is a holy profession, that people need cars to get where they're going, uh, that, that, that businesses need cars in order to provide services, that kids kids need cars in order to get to, to school, like their parents have to have something safe and reliable. And and that I can disciple people in the workplace. And so when I proved to myself that like I could and did, I went back into ministry in order to train other moms, dads, businessmen, and women how mm. they can live on God's mission just every day, every place. That's cool. What does that mean to you, Andrew? What When you talk about God's mission every day, you're, you're, by the way, your email signature, I noticed, is uh, Andrew Ruth, and then I think either above your name or below your name is... Missio Day every day, or on the Missio Day every day. Which is it? On the Missio Day every yeah, day. Yeah, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think the mission of God is, is, is very simply put, that God has had this grand plan from all eternity to share the goodness of God's love and God's community with the world. That what's best for us is God's glory and God's presence. What we most need uh, as human beings is to be filled with God and to be used by God. And, and so... Um, what it means to live on the mission is simply just to echo that, to share that with everybody by, by giving love, receiving love, but also by a very explicitly and, and, and verbally pointing out the goodness of God to people around. And so that can be simple uh, through just pointing out the beauty of a sunset and that, that God makes a new one every day. Uh, I remember, you know, one of those, like, Missio Day every day, I'm coaching my son's soccer team, and there's this little girl on Jack's soccer team named Geneva, and she did not like soccer. She was one of those kids who was always distracted. And so the only way to get her attention was to, was to sing her name. And so we just, you know, <laughs> Geneva. And she would turn and look at you. And, and she, one day she was staring at the sunset. And she just said, wow. And I said, uh, and she said, why does it do that? <laughs> and instead of like diving into the, the, the physics of, of light refraction through, you know, water particles in the air, I just said, because God is an artist and he loves to dazzle us with art. And she kind of looked at me, and then looked at the sunset, and then looked at me, and then kind of nodded. 
as she tried to process this thing. So that's just a simple conversation, but that to me is a little bit of what it means to just give God credit for all that God's doing and to point people to God um, every chance I get, a, every time I get a chance. So it's just using everyday moments. One of the things that got our attention, Andrew, um, to when we were interview when we interviewed you for Missio Day Pastor, and everybody's like, "Okay, this is a guy who has a history with us," and he and Mike really have journeyed some life together. And but is he really the right guy here? Um, uh, was this this sense that you are a you declared yourself a missionary from the church in Southern Africa to the American church. <laughs> so out of out of divinity school, you secured a fellowship um, for you and Claire to spend these two years learning from the church in the global south, where uh, every now and then I'll mention this on the podcast or in worship, that honestly that's the quarterback of the of the team church globally today is in the global south the american church is not the quarterback we're 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 whatever other position but we're not calling the plays the holy spirit's really activating the movement of the gospel in particular in those areas what led you to decide to go learn from the church there harrison your word was apt because that's what you said you wanted to go do is learn what led you to learn uh to yeah how did you decide to do that yeah, the, the call on our life was very that clear was just weird. to be reverse missionaries. Like, and that's a weird language, but that was just the words that came into our heart and mind when this opportunity came out of nowhere. We were uh, set to be essentially church planners doing what Lake Forest had trained me to do, to, to start churches for people who hate churches. Um, and so <laughs> we were going to do that, and, uh, and then all of a sudden God throws I us— I just had coffee with a guy who fits that description yesterday. <laughs> Perfect. Then you're doing your job. <laughs> And so we were going to do that, and uh, God threw us this curveball where I was offered a fellowship to go to Southern Africa and be apprenticed to two Zambian pastors, and then to travel through uh, Africa and Asia learning from indigenous practitioners. And And I didn't know if that was a, a if God was calling me something different, if this was a distraction from my primary calling to, to lead churches for, you know, to lead churches on mission. And so I just started working on that, and as I thought through it, God just affirmed exactly what you were saying, Mike, that the, God is doing incredible things all around the world, primarily, not primarily, but uh, in, in large part outside of the United States of America, that we've seen a recession in just church attendance, church engagement, uh, faith engagement in the United States, but around the world, Christianity is exploding. It's the most multicultural, uh, polynational religion that the world has ever known it continues by to, far yeah by far and and multi-ethnic multi-economic uh, it's and so we wanted to go see why why is christianity growing why is the church planning so many churches in southern africa that they don't have enough pastors how are they yeah, doing they can't that train them fast enough it, and it was this subject i was invited to for our local paper here in lake norman i was invited to write the easter art pastor article and I wrote about this, that, hey, we're going to look at the American church and as a Christian be a bit depressed, um, but that my um, optimism for the spread of the good news, and one reason why you can't bring me down, is awareness of what God, uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the global south of the spread of the gospel. I'm just cheering the Lord on for that. 
And so we were seeing them both plant churches and replicate leaders in a much faster pace than the American church has known probably since the, the Second Great Awakening. Um, and so the just, and especially that replication of leaders, that it's not, that, that it's not a, a mile wide and an inch deep, but you're seeing people come from non-Christian backgrounds, meet the Lord, and then become house church pastors, mm. um, church planters. Like almost immediately, right? Uh, yeah, very, very quickly. And we were like, we got to see this. We got to learn from these people. They know something we don't know. And so we really just um, packed our whole house up uh, and said, okay, God, whatever it takes, we're in. And so we did. We lived out of bags for two years to learn from these uh, men and women of incredible faith. And it wasn't just church stuff. It wasn't just church planning stuff. We wanted to go to places I had a man come up to me after hearing me talk on Sunday and just say, you said we could learn some stuff from the global church. What kinds of things could we learn? And I was like, that's a really good question. And and so I mentioned some of that church planning stuff, but I was like, another one is that we had the incredible opportunity to both um, visit Rwanda and South Sudan, two places that have been marked by violence in our lifetime. Uh, Rwanda, a massive genocide uh, in the early 90s, and, and my friend there, um, pastor Everest, pastor, Presbyterian pastor there, pastors a church in which, in living memory, um, members of his congregation murdered each other's family. Wow. And so what does it mean to teach and preach the forgiveness of the gospel in a place like that? I don't know about you, but I think America could probably learn something about forgiveness from a church that has living memory of a genocide and has had to become one church again as Hutus and Tutsis after a genocide. In, a, in our political context, where Democrats and Republicans are so polarized, where what would it look like if we were to learn from Hutus and Tutsis, who were actually physically violent with one another, mm-hmm. and not just politically antagonistic? Or in South Sudan, where you've had um, a war uh, for 40 years, a, a civil war for 40 years, and to learn um, from my friend Atho, uh, who literally, he's a, he works for a ministry called Reconcile, uh, that worked hard to end the war and the, the tribal conflict, but also the, the political conflict. He works with the woman who he killed his mother. Like he, know, he knows for a fact she killed his mother, and they are now co-workers on the mission of God to bring peace and reconciliation to the, to the world through South Sudan. I grew up in a country that, has, that uses phrases like, like irreconcilable differences. Hmm. If, if a man can work with the woman who killed his mother, what can't Jesus overcome? Like, what can't be reconciled if there's willingness and faith and the power of God at work? And so uh, God is, is continuing to teach us so much stuff uh, that we want to, to cross-pollinate. We really think that, that I, I was reminded this morning, I was, I was contacted by a Zambian that I know, uh, Thomas Peary, and he was a, a missionary to me while I lived in Zambia. He's, he's Zambian. He's now in Jamaica. I just, got, I just got an email from this morning. He's in Jamaica as a missionary to the Jamaican island. <laughs> like So again, an African-sent missionary that Africa and Asia are now sending out more missionaries than the U.S. and Europe combined. Wow. Uh, that, uh, Korea is, if, if Korea is not the largest, it's the second largest sending church in the world. Um, and so you start to I think about, okay, we got to, like, there's so much we can learn from this stuff. So, What's cool to me just hearing you talk is everything you're describing <clears throat> about the church in these other parts of the world that I'm sure you've reflected on being there because it seems like a real easy connection, but it feels like super 
early church of acts kind of vibes, doesn't it? Like, it's just like this dude did something else and he, and he was called by Jesus and then looked around and was like, Oh, there's no one else to be a pastor. So I guess I'm going to figure out how to be a pastor, find some people to partner with me and they just do ministry. Andrew, could you speak to, to that aspect of this in the Western church? I think I was certainly being enthused about this as we were getting to know who you are today in the interview process, that realizing a strength of Lake Forest is that we give people room to, like, investigate Jesus for a long time. Hey, you became a Christian. You don't have to be all the way to an apostle the first week of being a Christian. Growth is a process. That's a strength of our church. And it's, it sort of fits my Gen X-y vibe. On the other hand, that slips into a church culture or a, a self-image of younger Christians of, well, I need to take years to learn some stuff, to know. I don't really have high expectations uh, of spiritual productivity in my growth and life and leadership. Can you just for a moment share... I think one of the one of the so I think one of the things you brought down this very tactile that I heard you talking about of what you learned from the church in Southern Africa in particular is an emphasis um, as soon as someone becomes a, a Christian not in not necessarily only in knowledge which is our tendency but in I, I think you call it skills or practices yeah. immediately that activate someone's space. Faith, can you just talk about that for a moment, and how how would that relate to Christians in Lake Norman? Yeah, just uh, very briefly, I had a revel, uh, just this intellectual revolution, this moment where God did something in my heart, a paradigm shift, where I was on a mountain top. I mean, I was on a rooftop in India talking to my friend M.K. Baharti. And he said, Andrew, what's the Great Commission? And, and I started to recite it to him uh, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And M.K. said, teach them what? And I said, everything I have commanded you. And he said, no, Andrew, that's not what it says. The word is teach them to obey. Hmm. Obey, not teach them everything. Teach them to obey. That the, I'm supposed to teach them. Obedience is a skill. It's a disposition. And so he said, uh, in the West, you tend to think about knowledge, stuff, facts, theology. We tend to think of practice, devotion, uh, spirit, what we might call uh, spiritual disciplines, practices, ways of life. And so uh, I codified that in my own mind with teach skills, not stuff. Skills that people can use to grow in their faith. And so teach them how to have a private prayer life. Teach them how to read the Bible. I mean, if I teach you the Bible... You may never learn how to read the Bible, but mm. if I teach you how to read the Bible, you will eventually know what the Bible says. Um, and so that has been this powerful thing for me because that's something that can start the very first day you meet Jesus, learning to have conversations with the Lord, learning to talk to God, learning to read the Bible, um, and then learning to share what I do know, not focusing on what I don't know, but what did God teach me in the last week, in the last day? How am I applying the sermon from this week? Those are those are skills that I can start to uh, to share and tell stories about. They also are really cool at, you know, at Lake Forest where we are always talking about God's stories. God's stories are essentially action-based. Uh, they, may be, they may have a component of God taught me this thing, 
but it's not a story unless I did something or somebody else did something. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's, it, and it's just an idea before it. And so, um, the things that if I could teach everybody one thing, it would probably be just teaching people to pray with and for somebody. That mm-hmm. being one of the, probably the primary lesson I saw the global church taught new believers immediately was, okay, um, prayer of, we would call it prayer evangelism, but it was just praying for people. Uh, you, somebody sick in your neighborhood, okay, God has told you as a believer, go pray for that person and expect healing. Not everybody will get healed. But if one out of a hundred gets healed, that's miraculous. Can you imagine yeah. how many people come to faith if they see one person get healed, their grandma gets healed, their infant child gets healed? And so we saw in, in especially Mozambique, um, Christians were known as the people who pray for other people. Even in Muslim areas, uh, we were invited by a Muslim imam to pray for a member of his mosque because they were sick. And he said, you know, we don't believe what you believe, but we know this. When you pray for people in the name of Jesus, they get healed. Hmm. Will you come and pray? And he wasn't talking to pastors. He wasn't talking to missionaries. He, wasn't t- he was talking to uh, 17-year-old kids um, who had, met, had, had known the Lord for uh, less than a year. And they would go and pray hands and lay hands on, on people. Uh, and so I wonder how much we would grow if... Instead of thinking like that, I need to be an expert in something before I act in it. If we started to just say, "No, I need to, I just need to be a novice. I just need to start trying and playing. I need to get in the game, and I will learn the finer parts of the game from the inside out, not the outside in." Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot, Andrew. There's a um, <clears throat> this happens from time to time where someone will approach me. And they're like, hey, I, or maybe it's their high school age kid, I really would love to play guitar. And I'm like, okay. First of all, just as a side note, I'm, I'm, I'm a horrible guitar teacher. I've learned this over time. I've tried a couple times. But in reflecting on it, there are some things that I've realized. And it's that there are, for me, as someone that's been playing guitar for 20-something years or however long I've been playing it, um, there are a lot of things that, are rattling around my brain talking to someone new or I'm like, well, it might be important for them to know this. They might, oh, they might want to know that. But like at the end of the day, when I think back to when I was starting to play, I I only needed to know like three chords. And then the second thing I needed to know was how to fall in love with playing the guitar so much that I just wanted to start devouring everything I could think of about it because all the facts and, and give me information about how guitar is made and, what's the best da, da, da. I'm just like all I needed was just G C and D and I could play one song at first and then I was like this is awesome I want to play more songs this is great yeah one learning to play one song can change a musician's life for me that song was uh, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry oh yeah um, and uh, Wonderwall by Oasis that was like my first one that was my first song yeah. And just proving that I could do it one time on a simple four-chord song, uh, three chords in the relative minor, opened a new world to me to imagine what else was possible. And I still don't know music theory. I still don't know um, how... I, I still can't figure out what... I can't play by ear very well, but I'm still playing. And I think prayer is the same way. 
if nobody would ever learn to play the guitar if they had to learn all of music theory first yeah. before I handed them an instrument. You'd ha- you, yeah, it, you would. First of all, you'd you'd be overwhelmed. You'd feel like, oh, I'm never gonna get there. It's like when I go see John Mayer play. I'm just like, well, I just need to quit forever. <laughs> I'm done. And yet, like some of the best guitarists in the world never learned that stuff. They but they did pick up a guitar. Um, and learn to play it upside down because it was just what fit them. And they figured it out. And they they now are some of the best. We think of them as iconic guitar players. And I think that's probably true in faith that most of the men and women we think of as the saints and the great pillars of the church through the last 2,000 years learned faith this way. They learned it by they, – they, they learned one skill and they applied it. They prayed for one person and they got they saw one person meet the lord and they said okay like what else is possible they saw you know one person get one person get touched when they preached they or they they shared their testimony one time and somebody came up and said that really resonated with me you know i've been walking through something similar and i needed that hope today and they said and it was like playing eagle eye cherry for the very first time and they said that was awesome i might actually be a rock star most of us probably aren't going to be rock stars in either the real, the, the, the musical realm or the spiritual realm, but God doesn't, but God doesn't need rock stars. Mm-hmm. God doesn't, he, he really, you know, if, if everybody could do the spiritual equivalent of playing three chords, the world would be a much better, healthier, happier place. Hmm. Well, um, Andrew, dude, thanks for sitting down with us on the podcast today, man. It's been really cool just for me. Um, getting to know you this little bit as I have over the past couple weeks. And when you came in, I look forward to um, just seeing what God's going to do at Lake Forest through uh, your leadership and your ministry and your being a part of our teams. Uh, Real quick, my last question for you, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, Short answer, what are you most, you're getting ready to head on two trips with our teams uh, one to Honduras and one is this, the Bahamas is the second one, right? You're That's going to right. see yeah, Gabe. We'll head to Abacos. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, this, this may be like asking you to, uh, say something that's impossible to name, but then give me the, the highlight of 10 small things if that's the case. But what, in terms of you coming into this role new, getting to know some of our people and being able to go on these trips, what are you looking forward to most about getting some time in Honduras and, uh, in the Bahamas with these teams? When I first started in ministry, my boss told me, I was in youth ministry with Young Life, and my boss used to say, a week with kids away. If you could take kids away for a week, that's worth a year at home. Hmm. And so just in relational investment and intimacy and and relationship building and faith building, and a weekend away is worth a semester. And so I'm just really excited to build some relationships with both Lake Forest people and our ministry partners in Honduras and Abacos. Uh, because again, I just think I have so much to learn. Uh, Lake Forest in general is one of the one of the more missional churches in the United States and is uh, some of the best missionaries I've met stateside. And so to learn from our ministry partners what God's been doing in them and through them uh, since I've been gone and doing ministry elsewhere, I can't wait to do that. But then also from our ministry partners in Honduras and Abacos is as we see... Um, as we see them live out for what is for them normal Christianity, what is for them just everyday uh, following Jesus stuff, but for us appears radical and superlative, uh, whether it's caring for orphans in both places and, and reordering my life to care for orphans and widows, whether it's financial sacrifice, whether it is just uh, emotional hardships that, that I'm willing to 
undergo in order to share the love of God with the next person. I can't wait for us to see a new normal, um, a new what Christianity, what normal Christianity looks like in other places of the world, and then to bring some of that uh, some of that flavor back to Lake Forest, Huntersville, uh, that we collectively might find a new normal. Post-pandemic, we might find our own new normals. As we've talked about necessary endings, we might also have some necessary beginnings uh, to things that should become normative this summer and this fall. Fantastic. All right, this has been uh, the Ask LFC Podcast. Andrew, thanks again, my friend. Thanks for having me. That was fun. That drop music. That's right, man. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. See ya.